situation. He took a pinch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with Jeremy's Bob Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my the latest baseball news details Jose Abreu signing a three-year contract with the Houston Astros. And if you followed this show at all, you know that's the last thing I have any interest in talking about. The deal seems to be done by the owner of the Houston Astros, Jim Crane. And I've had an issue with for many years, and I can't come up with one example of a sports owner that not only has meddled, but has involved himself in day-to-day decisions, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball, that's been successful. And if you're following me and your counteraction is, hey, I'm going to throw Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys at you, I'm going to debunk that in a brief second. If you're going to throw George Steinbrenner and say that he's been a successful or was a successful owner by meddling and involving himself and in some cases making baseball decisions, I'm going to debunk that as well. The reason the Dallas Cowboys of the early 90s were good, part of it had to do with the ownership change, Jerry Jones taking over the team, but also bringing in Jimmy Johnson. The other element is the fact that the Cowboys were bad for so long that they acquired a bunch of draft assets that they used to get players such as Troy Aikman and Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin. And by the way, the additions of Jay Novacek and Daryl Johnston, and Larry Allen, and Nate Newton. You know, they got this guy, this pass rusher, this all-time pass rusher named Charles Haley. So I, I don't think that it was just the owner pulling all these strings. Jimmy Johnson had something to do with it. And it was a coincidence that the Cowboys, yes, they won the Super Bowl with Jimmy Johnson's team when Barry Switzer was the head coach, but they weren't the same after Jimmy Johnson left. And if you look at the Cowboys over the last 25 to 30 years, I'm sorry, yeah, 25 to 27 years. They haven't been that great. They haven't won a Super Bowl since what, 1994? It's a long time. And if you're saying that the the owner has put them in a position where they can compete year in and year out, that sounds good, but that's not what you're looking for in the NFL. You want a Super Bowl contending team year in and year out, and Jerry Jones has not delivered with that, even though... He has the full autonomy to make all the football decisions. George Steinbrenner, remember, the Yankees dynasty of 96, 98 to 2000, which you could even put the years of really 95 to 2003, where the Yankees were legitimately a World Series contender every year. The thought was that they were going to win every one of those seasons. Was built by Gene Michael. We all know that. We all know that if it wasn't for George Steinbrenner getting suspended and Howie Spira and the whole thing, George's non-involvement in the day-to-day operations of the Yankees led to the Yankees holding on some of the, to some of their top prospects. Guys like Mariano, guys like Jeter, guys like Bernie Williams, who all likely would have been traded if the meddling owner, George Steinbrenner, was still running the day-to-day operations. Now... In Steinbrenner's time, he probably, in my opinion, I think he you can make a better case 
that Steinbrenner was a better owner or is a better owner than Jerry Jones by the seven World Series championships that the Yankees won. 77, 78, 96, 98 to 2000, and 2009. George had a stamp on every single one of them. But my prolegomenal point that I'm going to make in the program today, owners meddling is frowned upon. I don't think it looks so good from the owner's perspective, but owners making day-to-day decisions when it comes to a sports team does not end well. I don't believe that Jim Crane, as the owner slash general manager of the Houston Astros, is going to lead this team successful down the road. Now, that's a pretty hot take if you're thinking about the Houston Astros who just won the World Series last year. It's very hard to argue with the signing of Jose Abreu, who was a pretty good move for for the Astros. Yoli Gurriel had a down season. You replaced him with Jose Abreu, a guy who won a, an MVP a couple years ago. Still at the top of his game. You know, you absolutely expect that to be a boom. So there's no way that I'm criticizing Jim Crane for signing Jose Abreu. What I am going to watch, because I know it's not going to turn out well, is the history going back when it comes to owners, not just meddling, but taking over the day-to-day operations and player decisions when it comes to a pro Sports team, it does not end well. If Jim Crane was smart, he would bring back Jeff Luton now, or he would hire himself somebody to run the day-to-day operations of the baseball team. He had James Click there. Obviously, he wanted James Click out of there. He wanted James Click out of there so he can make some personnel decisions. And if you look back, Ted Turner in the 1970s, what did he ever do with the Braves? Ted Turner meddling and involving himself in baseball day-to-day operations and decisions. He made himself manager. You know, the commissioner, Bowie Kuhn, you know, took him right out, said, hey, you're an owner, dude. You can't manage a baseball team. It's not in the best interest of the game. What did the Braves win with Ted Turner as the owner there? Yes, he brought baseball to cable. You give him all the credit in the world for that, and he deserves it. I think he was a pioneer. I don't think he was a good owner, and I certainly, by the numbers and the record of the Atlanta Braves in the 70s and the 80s, know that he was not a good general manager. I mean, he made a decision to fire two Hall of Fame managers, by the way. He fired Bobby Cox. He fired Joe Torre. Now listen, maybe we didn't think Joe Torre was going to be Joe Torre until he joined the Yankees. Okay, I'll give you that. But the Braves have the best run in the history of their franchise going back to Milwaukee and Boston, going back to the 19th century when they were the Boston Bean Eaters and the Rustlers and the Doves. You know, bringing, bringing back Bobby Cox was a, was a sign that the Braves made a huge mistake by firing him. Jim Irsay, you watch what's going on with the Indianapolis Colts, a team that was 3-3-1 and this year, a team that was expected to be a postseason team, a team that a lot of Uh, People expected to be in the postseason and perhaps win the AFC South. The owner decides that he is going to change the quarterback. The owner decides that he's going to change the coach. Which, by the way, he's got the right to change the coach if he wants to. So I'm 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 backtracking, but I'm I'm making a I'm making the point as fair and balanced as I possibly can. He's got the right to move personnel. But when he gets in there and he makes a decision of who the quarterback's going to be, if he makes a decision that I'm going to start Sam Erlinger, somebody that probably is best suited to be a backup or a third stringer, 
That's the decision that the Indianapolis Colts are quitting on an entire season. And that's the owner acting out in his own frustration. How has that worked for the Colts? The Colts are an extremely talented team. And they've blamed everybody they possibly can for the exception of the owner. You want to blame Jeff Saturday? You know, Jeff Saturday gets along well with the owner. We've had a discussion before. I explained to you why the majority of you are hypocrites that are criticizing Jeff Saturday and, and, and the reason that he is a head coach. You got your job because you were a former player, right? Not because you had any broadcasting experience. Jeff Saturday got the job as a head coach because he was a former player. Not because he had previous coaching experience. Same thing as you, bro. So name to me, if you're on the other side of this argument that I'm making, owners that not only meddle, but decide to make play day-to-day uh, -day operations of a sports team, there is not an example. Name one example of that owner that has been successful. And the person that I'm giving the hardest time to is Jim Crane, the owner of the Houston Astros, the team that won the World Series last year, the team that has been to two straight World Series and what, has been to six World Series now since 2017? Or five, five, I, I apologize. Two, they're two in, yeah, I'm sorry, two and two. They've been a four World Series, six AL Championship Series. And obviously the owner is there for half of it. Has he done a good job there? Sure, he inherited a very good team. Yeah, you know, he, he, he took, you know, the owner's been there since, you know, he hired Jeff Lute now. He brought in, uh, was part of the reason that A.J. Hinch was hired there. The rebuilding of that farm system, he could take some credit for. But it was a baseball executive that totally turned that team around. The Astros aren't the Astros without Jeff Lute now. The Astros would be the Astros without Jim Crane. And if Jim Crane thinks that for whatever reason that he is why the Astros are as good as they are, the Astros are going to go down within the next couple years. Because you know what's going to happen? Nobody's going to argue with the Abreu move. Maybe he, he re-signs Verlander. Maybe he uh, makes a bold move or two to bring some high-priced, talented Major League players um, to put this team over the top. Well, once that fails, is he keeping an eye on the farm system? Is he really working on the things that James Click was doing over the last couple of years? Making sure that you're drafting good talent, making sure that you're bringing in good international talent, making sure that you're developing young players in your system. Because I doubt that Jim Crane is doing that. So that's point number one. A couple quick points I want to make because I want to get them on this show. And then we'll jump into the Baseball Hall of Fame to finish it off. Ryan Day, head coach of Ohio State, 45-5 and five since he took over for Urban Meyer. Um, there's people that believe that because Ohio State has lost two straight years to Michigan, that Ryan Day is on the hot seat. Listen, the boosters are going to be tough on him, and we understand that that's something that you deal with in the world of college football that you don't deal with in the pros, right? You know, the the fans or the the, the patrons are not necessarily the ones that control whether the coach keeps their job or not. In college, the alumnus, the, the people that went to Ohio State and have had great lives and donate a ton of their money to the university, have more pull. 
Do I believe Ryan Day is going to lose his job? No. Do I think it could happen? Maybe. But once again, you're talking about a coach that's 45-5. and five. Think about that. He's got a 900 winning percentage. That would be unprecedented if he lost his job because of that. Matt Rule took the job in Nebraska. And people were saying, oh my God, he's, he got, what, a seven-year contract? Here's the reason that he got a seven-year contract. There is no, in the world of college football, you either believe you hired the coach that's going to bring you to the next national championship, or you don't. And if you don't believe that, you don't hire him. If you hire him, you're going to invest in him over the course of the next decade or so. So the expectation is that Matt Rule, if he's the guy for Nebraska, and he's the guy Nebraska wants, they're going to want him there for a long period of time. You don't get show-me contracts in the world of college football. You may get a show-me contract in the NFL. You could look at the possibility of perhaps a coach or two in the NFL being a one-and-done, right? You look at how, how that works out. You know, Josh McDaniels, perhaps in uh, Las Vegas, a big win, which could have might have saved his job. Denver and Nathaniel Hackett, he could be out after one year. Steve Wilkes was out after one year when he was in Arizona. Same thing with Jim Tom Sula with the San Francisco 49ers. There's been a lot of examples in the NFL of coaches not really getting much of a chance, a shot, an opportunity. In college, especially for the big programs, there is no show-me contracts. And Matt Rule, if he was identified by Nebraska as the guy that they want to lead their program to its next national championship, you're not giving them a one- or two-year deal. You're not giving them a three-year contract. You're giving them a deal of seven years or more. Now, the last point on the show I'm going to bring up today, I'm going to make it brief because you've heard me a lot and many times bring up issues that I have with the Baseball Hall of Fame, the decisions by the baseball writers to ignore an entire generation of players has watered down its Hall of Fame. And it set the Hall of Fame ballot to a point where it's out there, there's people voting, and i got to be honest, I, I could give two shits about who gets in the Hall of Fame this year. If you look at the ballot up and down, the four players that are probably the most deserving are the four players that probably aren't going to get in, which is, is, is the reason that the Baseball Hall of Fame has turned into the biggest joke. What do I got to hear now? I got to hear a lot of fluff. I got to hear a ton of fluff from uh, baseball writers and non-baseball writers and bloggers and uh, everybody that's got a podcast why this player could get in the Hall of Fame, that player could get in the Hall of Fame, or you know, should this player be in or should that player not be in. You know the way it works when it comes to the Hall of Fame. When you say the word Hall of Fame and you say a player's name, they're either a Hall of Famer or not. Once you have to have a discussion back and forth and a dispute and compare them to players that are in the Hall of Fame, you know that that player is not a Hall of Famer. So good luck this year for all you baseball fans listening to a bunch of schmucks talk about different players that they believe should be in the Hall of Fame and arguments that they're going to have with other people over why the next Harold Baines should be in the Hall of Fame. And I made the joke about it on Twitter. I said, you know, congratulations to Julio Franco and Jesse Orozco who are going to get Lifetime Achievement Awards and, you know, pl you know, places in the Baseball Hall of Fame because baseball is the one that screwed this up. Bud Selig, Jane Forbes Clark, they're the ones that screwed this up. 
The Baseball Writers Association of America is the ones that have screwed this up. If it wasn't for the fact that an entire generation of star players were blackballed because of the use of steroids, which, by the way, was enabled by the commissioner, was enabled by the fans, was enabled by anybody that is the is a critic of any of the players that used during that time. All of a sudden, we're going to forget that that generation exists. Barry Bonds belongs in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens belongs in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Rafael Palmaro, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez. And the list will go on and on amongst players that them being blackballed and being used as the poster child for the blame for the use of performance-enhancing drugs is the reason that the Baseball Hall of Fame is not even worth visiting anymore. The Hall of Fame vote is not worth following anymore. We'll be back with you hopefully soon. God bless you. This is the best past ball show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two A's, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. God bless you. And as always, I see you on the other side. Chris Pride was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on it in my life. I may come out as the biggest major league baseball manager apologist it'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired because hitters are going out there saying i'm either going to hit a home run or i'm going to strike out and if i don't get a pitch that i feel like i could drive out of the park i'm not even supposed to be here today especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when i say this i'm a dude a dude disguises another dude there are only two managers in baseball's hall of fame who have losing records one of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.